some praise this morning. You can have a seat. And uh, this morning we are uh, continuing in our series called This is the Gospel. And uh, we're, we're walking through the book of Mark. And uh, I told you last week we were skipping around a little bit, um, partially because of what I want to talk about today and how it's going to tie into some of the vision and things like that that I want to share later in the service. And so I just want to uh, tell you right now, buckle up, because I, I'm going to preach the shortest sermon I've ever preached, uh, actually, ex- except one. The first message I ever preached, my dad asked me to fill in for him on a Sunday night service. And uh, I got up, and I prepared for like five straight days. And I got up there, and I went through all of my content in about nine and a half minutes. <laughs> and so then I didn't really know what to do, and so I just prayed for another five or six minutes uh, looked at the worship team and said, it's all you, let's go. And uh, so I just, I won't do that this morning, but I, I am going to try and get to, uh, to, to some of the vision and things that we want to get to at the end of the service. But today I actually want to talk to you around the title of an open door. And I don't know if you got like we, maybe we're the, the, the outsiders in our house, but we have these things in our house called doors. Do you guys have these? You guys have doors in your house too? See, I say it that way because my kids sometimes act like they don't exist. Can anybody, anybody else relate to that? And I'll just be sitting there and you know, they'll just barge in a room like the door doesn't matter at all. Or, or, or the worst that really gets me is, is I'll just be standing around the kitchen island like eating the sandwich. And they'll walk in, they'll go and open the door to the bathroom, walk in, leave the door wide open, turn around, sit in the toilet and lock eyes with me. Like, I'm the captain now, right? Like, there's, there's just no regard for, for any of this, and, and I, I can't stand that. There's never a scenario where I want to lock eyes with someone on the toilet. Like, even guys, when we're at the urinals, just, just eyes forward, all right? Just stare at the wall. And, and it's, in fact, so much so that now I, um, it doesn't matter if I'm home alone or wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I go into the bathroom, and I immediately, it's just a habit, I lock the door. And uh, it got me in trouble at Target the one time, but... Um, you know, in the public bathroom. But no, the, the reality is this, is that we have these doors because we, we want to either keep people out in, in certain areas of our, our house or, or, or some of you, you know, we have doors on the outside of our house. That's to keep all the weird people out. Some of you, it's to keep all the weird people in, depending on the family, right? A, a couple months ago, um, I, I went away to a conference in Atlanta and uh, I was leaving on a Wednesday and coming back on a Friday and we were coming back really late. And uh, so I didn't even drive. I, I got a ride to the airport. And so when I got home, I didn't have my keys or anything on me. And it's like 1.15 in the morning. And, and like the crazy thing, though, is, is nowadays that's not actually a problem because uh, like we have smart houses and stuff, right? Like for some reason, stuff got smarter and people got dumber. And, and uh, so I, we have these smart locks in our house. And so I was just kind of like, you know what? I'll be able to get in. And uh, wouldn't you have it that my, my ride drops me off, it's 1.15 in the morning, and he's just gone. Like, he doesn't wait for to see if I get in. Like, that's the difference between men and women, right? Women are like, wait until you get in, like, watch the lights go on in the house, make sure that you're good to go. The, like, dudes are just like, we're out of here. If you got to sleep on your back porch, you're good to go. And so I'm standing there, and I go up to my, my side garage door, and I go to type in the code, and the batteries are dead. So now, okay, I got to go, I gotta go around to the front door, and I walk around to the front door. This is the only other smart lock that we have on our house. And so I go to that, and it starts blinking that it has a network error. Like in my day, we had to like get off the phone to get a 250-pound computer to connect to the internet. Nowadays, our deadbolts have Wi-Fi. 
And for whatever reason, it was like, it was just flashing like network error, network error. And so I'm stuck. And, and so now I'm out here, it's 1.15 in the morning. My kids are asleep. My wife is asleep. And, and Amanda, she has a lot of superpowers. She's amazing. She's, she's really good at a lot of things. But I think one that she is unparalleled in is her ability to sleep. I'm not even joking. Like, I'm kind of jealous because she could sleep in any circumstance. I'm pretty sure if you told her to, she could fall asleep on a roller coaster. And, and like, as soon as we'll, we'll get in bed and she's like, good night, she rolls over and it's like, boom, she's out. For me, I got to not sleep for like 18 days. I got to have everything pitch black. I got to have a noise machine going, all this kind of stuff. And then maybe within the first three hours, I can fall asleep, right? So it's a completely different scenario. And then once she's out, she is out. Like an earthquake is going to have to come and wake her up. And so I, I'm here and I'm locked out. And, and naturally, I tried calling her a couple of times. There's nothing, no response at all, nothing. But here's where I got real clever. I opened the Alexa app, and then I went to the master bedroom tab, and I just started flicking everything off and on in our master bedroom. The fan is going off and on. The, the, the lamps are strobing different colors, and they're, like, they're going on and off, and, and the music is playing on the Alexa, like all this kind of stuff. And so finally, she just texts me, stop. What a way to get woken up, right? And then she comes down and she lets me in and like, I could tell she's not happy. No words were spoken. I just knew, right? And so she lets me in and, and I'm kind of sitting here thinking like, wow, what a relief that I, I finally got her there. And you know what? I was actually kind of proud of my, my doors, like my security system. Like I couldn't even get in. So no strangers, no, no robbers are going to come in and get into my house. But, but we have all these, these doors in our house and and you know what's, what's crazy is I think through the course of, of uh, the last century, I think our culture has put up more doors and, and, and more walls than what maybe God had intended us for, for us to have. And, and, and many of us, maybe we put up these, these walls and these closed doors in certain areas of our lives or, or, or certain social circumstances that we're in. We, we kind of put these doors and we have closed doors and, and we only let a few people into certain spots or we try and hide certain things or, or, or you know what? We actually, I think we kind of lost the sight of, of neighbors and neighborhoods and all of that altogether because we pull up to our house and what do we do? We walk right in our garage. Half of us, we probably pull our car into our garage. We don't have that luxury. We have too much junk. But some of you, you pull right into the garage, you shut the garage door, you walk in your house, and your neighbors don't even see you at all, right? So we get this kind of like casual wave, but, but really what I want to see today is, is in the passage that we're looking at. I want you to look and observe the way that Jesus treats the people around him compared to the way some of the religious people treat people around. And so today, I actually believe that, that God is going to open the doors of our heart, not just to him, but to the people that are around us. And so we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 2. Again, we, we're kind of skipping back a little bit. We started into, uh, into chapter 3 last week, but uh, we're going to be in verse 13 to 17. And that's how you know I'm going to try and preach short, because I only have a few verses. And here we have uh, Jesus, who is he has gone and he's, he's started his earthly ministry. He's been baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit has descended on him. And, and now he, he's begun to go and heal some people. Remember the lines at the door where people were coming to be healed by Jesus. And even right before this, we see that Jesus heals the paralyzed man when, when his friends come and they lower them through the roof. And remember, we talked, that's not a good idea. Don't try that here. We will get kicked out. 
And now we have Jesus, and he's going, and he's going to call one of his disciples. And it says this in verse 13. He went out again beside the sea. This is Jesus. And all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. What was he teaching? Well, we can call back to, to uh, chapter 1, where it says this, that he was, he was proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in God. So here's, here's what I want you to picture this. In this moment, there are crowds coming because they see the amazing things that Jesus has done. But even when the crowds come, he does not water down the message he proclaims the kingdom of the Father, and he says this, repent, turn from your wickedness, stop doing the things you've been doing, turn towards God, and believe in him. And so he's sitting here with this crowd, and he's teaching them. And it says, as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And to us, this is just a few words on a page. This is just a sentence in the, in the Bible. But, but when you really put it in the context of sitting at the tax booth and you're Levi, also known as Matthew, if you're sitting here in this moment and your livelihood has been built on this and now all of a sudden some guy comes up to you and says, hey, follow me. And this is not just a casual, hey, come and, come and see where I'm going. The, the word here is actually, it occurs 19 times in the book of Mark. And, and following, it's this load-bearing term saying, give your life to me. Put your faith and your trust in me. And what does he do? He gets up and he follows. In verse 15, it says, and as he reclined at table in his house, this is Jesus Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And this is a different word in here, and, and, and it's, it's they're, they're following, uh, but it's not quite the same weight as, as what Levi, Matthew, is doing. And just to put a little bit of context in here, because again, anytime we look at scripture, we, we want to understand the proper context of, of what is being written and to us, a tax collector, we, we don't really like the IRS that much, right? Can I get an amen? Anybody in here? We're just, yeah. But this is like a whole different level, a whole different degree of hatred. And you see Levi, also known as Matthew, he, he ends up writing one of the gospels in the Bible. He was probably so despised by the people around him. In this culture, the, the people who became tax collectors, what would, what would happen is they would go to, to whoever the ruler is. So whoever the Roman, uh, the Roman uh, ruler is in that area, they would go and they would purchase the rights to be a tax collector for the region. And then once they would do that, they would pay a certain amount and they'd buy in to be the tax collector. And then from there, they'd have a certain percentage that they'd have to pay each year, right, to, to, to retain those rights. But other than that, there was no rules, there was no regulations. So they could charge whatever they wanted to. And so they would just kind of keep throwing in taxes and you would come here and they would, they would make up whatever they wanted you to pay. That's what you had to pay. And if not, they would send some centurion soldiers your way to come knock on your door. That's worse than an audit, just so you know. And actually, the, the tax collectors were so despised that in the Mishnah and the Talmud, these are, these are uh, the oral traditions written down in Jewish culture, right? They, they actually say that tax collectors are, are, are like lumped in with thieves and murderers. 
And a Jew who, who collected taxes was disqualified to serve as a judge or witness in court. They were expelled and excommunicated from the synagogue. They were basically kicked out of Jewish life and they were a disgrace to their family. That's pretty rough. It actually is, is, is kind of crazy that, that even if, if a Jew, uh, tax collector who, who was a Jew wanted to come and help you and give you money, you couldn't take it because it was seen as money that was attained by theft. These tax collectors, they were so despised that in this moment, it was probably more controversial for Jesus to put his arm around Levi than it was to touch the leper. Because the leper, it, was, it wasn't his fault. It wasn't his choice to get leprosy, but the tax collector, he chose to betray his people. He chose to, to, to make some money instead of honoring his people. And so I want you to understand that in this moment, Jesus is going around and he's going to this tax booth where this guy is hated and despised. And he's saying, would you just come and follow me? And not only that, he goes and he throws a party with more tax collectors. Sounds like a really boring party to me. It's like a bunch of accountants and CPAs trying to throw a raver. I don't know. And it says in verse 16, and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And see, actually, what... What you have to understand too is in this, this culture and context, it's not just going out to a restaurant and you're kind of surrounded in proximity by some people here. In these formal environments, what they would do is they would have a really low table and they would actually lay down and they would recline. That's what it says when he reclined at the table. He's actually laying and they're almost like nestled in with each other around this, this place. So this whole thing where, where if you were to touch a tax collector, your house becomes unclean. Jesus is now just like put all of that tradition in the mud. The other thing that I think is interesting about this statement is when I, I, I sat and I, I read that is, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And I just wanna, I wanna pose this question to you. Do people ever look at your life and ask why? Is there anything that you do in your life that is peculiar to the people around you because of your faith, because of your obedience, because of the way that you follow Jesus? It's this interesting question. And the reality is this. People should look at you and question why. Why can they respond this way when they just got this diagnosis? Why can they respond this way when they just got the pink slip? Why can they respond this way when everything else is going crazy around them? Why can they be joyful how come they have so much peace? Why don't you go do this? Why don't you uh, enjoy life like other people do? Why don't you do the same things that everybody else around you is doing? Do people look at you and ask, why? Is there anything in your life, your routine, that would make people question why? In verse 17, again, we find that Jesus is pretty perceptive. He's pretty aware of what is happening around him. It says, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And what he's saying is this, you think that you're well. 
You think that you're righteous, that you have no need of a savior. You think that you can follow the law to the letter of, the, uh, of everything that's in there. And you think that you can earn your way to heaven. And I, I, that's fine with you. You're not going to get there. You're going to be sorely disappointed. But I'm here to help, to help those who are aware, fully, fully aware of their brokenness and their need of a savior. They aren't hiding and disguising the fact that they are sinners and broken people in need of a physician. And I am the great physician. And I've come down to heal and to mend the broken heart and to restore the sinner and to call those who are living in the dark to come and live in the light. That is what Jesus came to do. And aren't you glad he did it with you and I? Y'all are some pretty messed up people. And he came for you and he came for me. And so I'm going to be very quick because we've got some things that I want to get to, but there's two points that I want us to take from this passage. Again, as you read scripture, you have to understand the proper context. You have to understand what was the original author uh, intending to communicate here. But then I think you can come back and you say, what is the application for me? What is the response for me? How do I read this? How does the Holy Spirit search my heart? And how do I live in, in light of this passage? And I want to tell you this. The first thing that stuck out to me is this. Comfort and complacency are not compatible with the mission of the church. I'm going to say that again because I don't know if you got it. Comfort and complacency aren't compatible with the mission of the church. You see, Jesus established this church. This church is his. This is not my church. This is not your church. This is not the, the person sitting next to you's church. This is the church of Jesus Christ that he came and he gave his life to establish. And you know what he came to do? He said he came to seek and to save the lost. He said he came to be a physician to those who are hurting and broken. And that calls us to get outside of our little bubble, outside of our little comfort. And it calls us to go and live lives that are radically different than people around us. And it calls us to not be complacent. It calls us not to just rest in what we've already done, but it calls us to keep going and going and going until we see the kingdom of God established here in this city as it is in heaven. We must be aware of the need and urgently seeking to remedy the need. Are you even aware of the hurt and the brokenness that is all around you everywhere you go? There's not a moment, there's not a place that you can find in this world where you will not be surrounded by some sort of need. And the problem is there's people that are in this world, they, they know they have needs and they're, they're hurting and all this kind of stuff, but they think that, that something else is the solution for their need when really the gospel is the solution. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We have the solution. In Revelation 2, 4, there's this verse, and this is, this is Jesus writing to the different churches in different cities in this day and age. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And this is a church that the Apostle Paul helped to start and get off the ground. But he kind of writes this rebuke. You know, sometimes we, we want to go to Scripture and we just want the fluffy, like, feel-good verses. But my, my Bible also says that Scripture is sharper than a double-edged sword. Sometimes it has to cut some places that you don't want it to go. Sometimes we have to open up the word and we have to, to get real and, and find 
reproof and, and rebu- rebuke. And so here we have this rebuke that is written to the church in Ephesus. And he says this in Revelation 2.4, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. That's one of the scariest things that I think I could ever hear Jesus say to me or say to this church. You know, you, you started well. You started with the love and the passion in the right place. You started with a missional heart. You started with my heart. You, you, you started well, but you've abandoned it. You've lost sight of it. You've, got, you, you've gotten too comfortable. You've gotten too complacent in the achievements that you've already made or, or the fact that I'm not as messed up and broken as I used to be and, and the, the dysfunction inside of me is not as outwardly visible as it used to be, so I feel like I can just kind of coast But Jesus looks at the heart and he says this, you've abandoned the love that you had at first. And that is a very introspective question for us to ask ourselves. Have we abandoned our first love? Have we replaced our first love with something else? And God forbid it be comfort and complacency and just living an okay life. In Matthew 16, 24, This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says this. Then Jesus told his disciples, remember, these are the ones, these are the ones that left their lives, left their livelihoods. They left their careers, their families, their calling, everything to go follow Jesus. They left their spouse. They left all these type things. They're they're traveling away and they're not getting to see their family as much. And Jesus is telling these people: if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. We're we're pretty quick to wear the cross. We're pretty slow to take it up. The second point that I want you to see is this. God calls us to live open door lives. God calls us to live open door lives. We must follow the example of Jesus. And I wonder how often are we opening our lives up to others around us? Jesus spent time with sinners. And some, you might see some things on on social media where some some, uh, real woke Christians are trying to throw out there that like we should just go and, and, and fellowship with sinners and it's no big deal. But what did it say that Jesus did when he was with the sinners? Every single time, He taught. He says, look, I'm going to love you with all of my heart, with all that I am. And I'm going to come and be with you. And I'm going to try and help meet your needs. But what I'm going to tell you is this. I love you too much to leave you in your sin. I love you too much just to gloss it over and say it's no big deal. Because sin is a big deal. Because I'm a holy God, a perfect God. I'm a righteous God. But here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to work out a deal for you that you can receive my righteousness, that you can receive my forgiveness. But I want you to become more like me. We must be spending time with others, but it can't just be casual environments where we hang out and we just hope that the light shines off just bright enough that they ask a question. Sometimes we have to come and we have to ask some questions and we have to teach and we have to lay out scripture and we have to proclaim the gospel to people around us so that they know so clearly who it is that we stand for and what it is that we believe. Proximity is not enough, but it's a start. 
our church, we have a mandate to have the doors open, to have open doors to the lost, to the hurting, to the broken, to the abused, to the despised, to the abandoned, to the rich, to the poor, to the CEO and to the impoverished, from the social worker to the prostitute, from the housewife to the drug dealer. Our goal isn't to build our church, it's to build his kingdom. And we have to love on everyone, but we have to tell them the good news of the gospel is that you can have new life, but that takes taking up your cross. We have to be missional church. And I want our church to be such a church that people would look at and say, you're different. Why do you treat me this way? Why, why do you love on me this way? Why do you do things this way? It's because we are carrying the mission, the mandate that God has given us to go into all the earth, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that he has commanded, to be his witnesses, both here and far, of all that he's done in our lives. And so as we've been praying as a church, there's some things that I believe God wants to do through our church. But it takes this. It takes the collective of all of us being open in a number of ways. Are our hearts open that if God wanted to move through our lives that he could? Is our calendar open that if God wanted us to go serve and meet a need, would, would we be able to do it? Is our wallets open enough that if God wanted to, to move through our finances that he could do that? Are our eyes open to the hurt and the need all around us? Our church started not just so that we could have a nice gathering at a high school on Sundays and build a little bit of a crowd. Our church started because there are hurting and broken people that are all around us in this community and we are here to be a light to the darkness. We're here to be the salt of the earth and so for us, we've, we've constantly gone back. How can we be more effective? How can we tell the community that we're here to stay and to love on them, to care for them, but ultimately to point them to Jesus? So this morning, I wanna share a video with you that I believe is gonna help our church become an open door church. And not only is it that our, 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 our door is open to those around us, but we want to be the type of church that follows when God opens doors. We want to be the type of church that when, when God says move, that we're moving. When God says go forward, we're going forward. When God says to, to reach, that we're reaching. When God says to serve, we're serving. When God says to love, we are loving. And we believe that God has opened a door for us. So let's watch this video together. remember when we were we were talking about planning church and uh i know like my brain is obviously logistic like we got to figure this out where are we going to meet who's coming with us when are we going to start do you remember i made a list of like all the different places we could meet where we would do stuff you know all that and i remember satterton high school was number one took took the number one spot but i just didn't think it'd be a reality it's funny to like driving around now and uh, we've spent so much time here with these, you know, last year and a half where we like used to feel like really un like uncomfortable and, and strange to even be on the property now. It kind of feels like a, a little bit of a second home. Yeah. And um, just the opportunity to get to connect and it's become like a, a real ministry opportunity for us. We've gotten to meet so many, so many people just here at the school we've also gotten to meet so many needs of the students i think we've met a lot of needs that 
we never thought we would meet here. Yeah. We've seen God move. Like we didn't, we didn't know we were going to get the place, you know, be able to meet here. And now we've, we've had this approval, been able to meet here, been able to see God, like use this place as a place that we come in, pull up the trailer, you know, load a bunch of carts and all that kind of stuff. And, and we make a church and it's been really, really cool to see God work through that and, and all the people that we've gotten to meet over this last year and a half. And at the same time, knowing like, hey, this probably isn't our forever. Yeah, we don't want to overstay our welcome. <laughs> we've been so welcomed here. It's, it's been one of those journeys that, you know, you and I, we've talked about for a long time of, okay, well, where are we going to be eventually? Like, where are we going to be long term? And, and not only that, like, where are we going to be able to say to the community, like, we're here to stay. Like, we're not going anywhere. What's funny is I remember driving by this facility. There's a couple spots that over the past few years I've driven by that just something about it, I was like, you know what? Something compelled me to go in. I pulled in here like three, two or three years ago and uh, with you and the kids in the car and we drove kind of back around the parking lot. And uh, I just remember thinking like, hey, this could be a cool spot for a church someday. You know, so I remember I started even this past summer just kind of driving by here more regularly and and I would come and sit in the parking lot and pray and we kind of got a little bit more serious and I remember like I brought you and some of our, our leadership here the one day and they got to take a look and like what would like when you saw it for the first like what was your your feeling? Excited super excited um, but also trying not to get your hopes up <laughs> yeah yeah, because there's been a lot of that. You can go from zero to one really quick, and I get I got to bring you down me? to reality. No, yeah. <laughs> not me. It's been a like a test of our faith, I guess, as a church, and our leadership to to look at and say like, okay, is this is this something that God is opening the door for, or is there something that we want to open the door for ourselves? And I think what I found so often is the doors that we try and pry open, we end up regretting. Um, but the doors that we just wait on God's timing and His providence and he begins to open are the doors that like we'll remember that forever how he made a way and um, for me that's what this feels like it feels like God's made a way in um, something that seems beyond us that feels beyond us but he's done it in his way in his timing and um, you know I think one of the things I'm really excited about is we got a home yeah we have a home we got a home a home with walls. <laughs> Church, I am so excited to be standing here in front of the future home of Keystone North Church. Come on, somebody better be excited about that, right? Over the past two years since we've started this church plant journey, we have seen God continue to open door after door after door. From just being able to plant a church, being sent out of Keystone, Montgomeryville, to, to being able to meet at the high school, we've seen God's faithfulness time and time again. And we believe as a team that this is the door that God has opened up for us to take next. 
And so over these last few months, our team, we've been praying and discerning, what does the, the long-term future of Keystone North look like? We love meeting at the school, and we've been so blessed to be able to, uh, to meet there and build relationships and ministry opportunities. But we also know eventually we're going to wear out our welcome, and we need to find a place that we can do ministry more effectively, more consistently. And so as part of that, our team identified this location here at 2060 Detweiler Road. And over the past few years since COVID, office space has kind of been in a flux. And so we were able to find this space uh, where a company had been leasing it uh, since before COVID, and now they've sent most of their workforce home. And so it's actually opened up for us to be able to come and take a good portion of this, about 18,000 square feet, for us to lease from them at a very, very competitive rate for us that helps us as we continue to grow as a church. But we also believe this can be a long-term home for us that over the next eight to 10 years, we can continue to grow in and expand if needed. So I know you're asking the question right now, okay, this building is great. It sounds, it sounds nice. It sounds like we've gotten a good deal. But what does that mean for me? And really, there's three different things that we want to ask you to come upon, uh, be a part of this journey with us. The first is this. We invite you to pray. Ask God to give us so much favor. We've already seen him move and open the doors to this opportunity, but we believe uh, that each step of the way, we need to, to seek God's wisdom, his favor. So with the township, we want to get favor with uh, finances. We want to get favor with the other building uh, uh, occupants, the, the businesses and, and neighbors that we're going to have moving forward. The next thing that you can do is this, give. We are launching our open door giving campaign. And our goal is between now and April 1st of 2024, we are seeking to raise $250,000 to port towards the, the fit out and furnishings of this building so that we can make this a conducive home for ministry efforts here in Harleysville. Our goal is actually between now and the end of 2023, over these next six to eight weeks, to raise 150,000 of that. And I know you're probably sitting there thinking, that seems like a lot of money. And yeah, you're right, it is a lot of money. But we believe we serve a big God. And so I believe that as we come together and we each pray and seek and discern the heart of God in this and what he's asking us to give above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings, I believe that the money is going to come in and we're going to be able to see the fruit of our investment in the kingdom of God as we see lives changed and transformed through the investment here that we make in the kingdom of God. The third way that you can help is this. We have a lot of projects that we're gonna be doing in this facility over these next few months. And so some of you, maybe you're not very skilled in different uh, uh, trades or things like that, but you say, I wanna come and I wanna give my muscles, I wanna give my time, my energy. We're gonna find different ways to get you plugged in. But for some of you, maybe you have a, a, a history in, in a, a trade or a special skill set that you believe can, uh, can be uh, useful here in this facility. We would love to talk with you, connect with you, figure out how can we use your, your talent and your experience to help us make this the best home possible for our church. And so if that's you, you can actually send an email to info at keystonenorth.church and we'll get right back with you and help you get plugged in here. Again, church, exciting days are ahead of us. We believe that God has opened this door and it's time for us to move forward in faith so that we can see more lives transformed by the gospel. What would it look like for us to have uh, more often prayer gatherings, better opportunities for our next-gen ministry to continue to plant the truth in the young people's lives in our church? What would it look like for us to be able to divert the time and energy that we put towards setup and teardown into going and engaging with the people in our community and meeting needs all around us? That's what I believe that this can do for us. Let's praise God and let's be in obedience to what he's calling us to do and see what he can do through our church.
this is pretty exciting, right? I, uh, I was off side stage, and uh, honestly, I started tearing up just uh, thinking of the faithfulness of God. There's not a lot of churches that are 15 months old that are able to do what we're able to do. And, uh, and I think, that one, we've got some incredible people, incredible people in this church. But more than that, we have an incredible God who I believe is positioning our church to make an impact that is far beyond ourselves. It's far beyond what we could ever achieve just in and of our own selves. And, and so... Um, Kind of like I shared, we, we, we've, if you plan a church, you're kind of in always building search mode because uh, whether it's a permanent facility or a portable facility, you're just always surveying the different things that are out there. And so for us, um, that's kind of where we've been. And, uh, and we've been looking around at what different opportunities there were for us. We actually thought we had uh, an opportunity and, and it fell through, but it kind of opened the door for us to engage in conversations to figure out, okay, what is it that we think we can afford? What is it that we think we can, we can make work? And you know what? Some of that, we, we, sit, we sat down and, and, and trust me, we've been through a process with this, with our leadership, with our stewardship team, with our, our, our elder team, uh, our local Keystone North Pastoral Advisory team. And we've spent the last few months looking through the details, but more than just the details, trying to discern the heart of God. Because sometimes, as we talked about last week, the math doesn't math, right? The, 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 the things don't quite add up. And you know what? We, we actually do believe that it does work out. It's a stretch. There's, there's going to be a stretch. I know some, I threw out $250,000. That, that's, a, that's a good amount of money. But I also believe that we've seen God open doors left and right over this last year and a half, that why would he not do it again? And so we've, uh, we, we actually first toured this facility back in September, and uh, I, I went and um, then took our, our pastoral advisory team uh, and toured through that. And then I commissioned our team. I said, I want you to spend the next month and I want you to pray, to seek the heart of God, to, to spend some time fasting. Go and park in the parking lot. Go pray. Go discern. What is God speaking about this? Not what are the logistics, not what are the finances, but let's seek God's heart. And so we, we came back and we met together, and, and, and that team unanimously said we should move forward and, uh, and felt like this is exactly the door that God had opened for us, not so that we can build a nice, big, fancy building and get comfortable and complacent, but so that we can plant roots to say we are here for good. We're not going anywhere. We are gonna love on this community. We are gonna serve this community, and we are gonna impart the gospel to every single person that we come in contact with. And so as we did that, then we took it to our stewardship team. And this is the part where we, we started looking at the finances and the logistics of it to figure out what is this gonna cost us? Through that, our, our team said, yeah, we, we believe that if, if we just follow the similar trajectory of where we've been over this last year, uh, just for a little bit of background, this time last year, our weekly giving averaged out to right about $6,600 a week. We are now at about $10,600 a week. So you can see the growth over one year where our finances have come. So we believe that if we continue in that right trajectory, that we can, we can make this a reality and, and not hamper any of the ministry efforts, not hamper any of the community engagement, not hamper any of our, our, our people investment, any of the things that we're doing there. From there, we took it to our elder team uh, as a Keystone as a whole. And again, this team spent uh, uh, almost a month praying, discerning, uh, trying to figure out, is this the door that God has opened for us? And uh, just over a week ago, 
uh, that, that team, we met for the final time and we got the green light that that team, again, affirmed fully that this is exactly where we should go as a church. And so I want to let you know, we are in the process of finalizing the lease, be praying for that. We are in uh, kind of this, this, uh, this fun spot with working with the company that's there, working with the owner of the building. But I'll just say this, I thought this was such a cool moment this week, we were sitting there, and this, this guy walks in, he owns the building, and he's this lawyer, and he, I'm sure he's very, very wealthy, and he sits down, and he says, I'm here to facilitate a deal to make sure this church is in our space for the next eight to 10 years. So we're sitting here across from this guy, and he's saying he wants us there. And uh, so we believe that God has, has certainly opened this door for us. And, and I want you to hear, um, there's, there's a lot of things that, that made this, this property appealing to us. One is the fact that it, it, it's only a four and a half minute drive from where we are currently. So, so it's, it's gonna stay within proximity of where we are currently serving. This will not hinder any of our outreach efforts in this community. This will also not hinder any of the, the, the relationships and connections that we've built here with this high school. We want that to continue. So we, we were looking and it's, okay, it's, it's in the general area that we, we wanna be in, but not only that, it's less than a quarter mile from the Wombold Road uh, 309 connector that they're putting in. So not, we, we believe that it's actually gonna help us connect even more with Telford, Sellersville, and all those different areas, but it's also opening up the door for us to reach into uh, parts of Lansdale and Talmanson and Culpsville. So we believe that it's actually gonna increase our increase in our reach. The other thing that we looked at is uh, parking is normally an issue with, with church facilities. This facility has over 550 parking spots and you will not complain about the spot that you get because they're all really good parking spots right near the door, all right? We'll make it work for you. The ceiling height, again, that's normally an issue. It has 20-foot ceilings. So there's all these things that we began to check off the list, but but also just the fact that it was a sublease. And, and as a part of that, we were able to get it for a well, well, well below market value. And so the pricing of it, the, the lease rate is gonna grow with us as we grow as a church. And so that we're not actually having to stretch well beyond our means or hinder uh, or hamper our ministry efforts. And so as we've been um, moving forward with this, we believe that God indeed has opened this door. And that what I'm calling us to do today is to walk forward in faith as a church. And that is not just me, that's not our pastoral advisory team, that's not just our elders, that is all of us collectively together playing a part, playing our role in this to make this a reality. And so for us, even Amanda and I, we've, we're, we're gonna sacrifice. There, there's sacrifice that comes with this. But I believe there's such joy as we see the collective sacrifice make an impact in lives around us. So for us, I wanna actually read a, a scripture out of Revelation, and again, this is, one chapter later of the verse that I read earlier. And this is, this is Jesus looking to the churches in different areas. And how fitting is this? In chapter three, it says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? Now, I'm, just, I'm not sitting here to say that this is what Jesus was saying to the church in Philadelphia, PA. This is the church in Philadelphia back in this old context. But he says this, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. And I love this is a throwback to Isaiah 22, 22. And it's saying this, that Jesus, he is the holy one. He is the true one. He is the one who holds the key to the riches of heaven. He holds the keys to death and the grave. And here he is, he's holy and loving. He's sovereign yet compassionate. And he says this to the church in Philadelphia. I know your works. 
I know your works. And I believe he's saying, I know the good and the bad. And you know what? I love this, that Jesus is actually going to affirm this church. And it's not a perfect church. There is no perfect church. If you're here today looking for a perfect church, you will not find it here. We are, we are flawed, messed up people just trying to seek the heart of God as best we can. But we are not a perfect church. But he says this, behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. <laughs> That's us. And yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Let that be said of our church, that when God opens the door, when God opens an opportunity, when God opens a way for us to go and step forward in faith to make a difference in more people's lives, that we would say, yes, we have but little power, but we will not deny your word. We will not deny your name because we know we serve a faithful powerful, sovereign God who can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Amen? We believe it. And hear me clearly. The front door, the door, that, the door that's, that's open here is not the front door to 2060, 2060 Detweiler Road. I'm not saying here that the, that the door is just that we can go get comfortable in a building. The door is that now we have established roots to do more effective ministry so that we can make a difference in more lives to proclaim the good news, to meet needs. So that uh, my heart is that we would see crime rate reduced, that we would see overdose rates go down, that we would see divorce rates go down, that we'd see poverty reduced, that we'd see suicide reduced, that we'd see graduation rates rise, that we'd see the economy rise because of the impact that we can have. Because the gospel is an all permeating gospel that is good and is pervasive in every area of our community. And I believe that we can have that impact. And so what does it look like for us in this building to be able to step forward in that? You heard me say in the building, a lot of our efforts right now over this past 15 months for our staff and a lot of our serve teams, a lot of the energy and effort that goes into anything that we do, big or small, goes towards the logistics and the location and the setup and the teardown. And somebody should be giving me a loud amen right now, right? And so for us, I, I love this picture that what if we've been, we've been operating at, at half capacity here? And I know you guys have been, you've been busting your butt and I'm so grateful to every single person. Hear me clearly, I am so, so grateful. But what if we could take that that we've been putting towards the logistics and put it towards people and put it towards ministry and put it greater towards engaging with the people in our community? What if we, in this facility, we could not just have uh, scattered prayer gatherings throughout the year, but what if we could build out, my heart is that eventually we would have a weekly prayer gathering, and I don't care if there's two of us here or 200 of us here, that we are gonna say that we are about prayer, that we're gonna actually be about prayer. My heart is that in the first year that we're in this facility, that we would host a 21-night prayer event, that we would, we would actually do what we say we're about, that we would get hungry for God to move in our community in a way that we've never seen before. We say that we're a church about the next generation. But so many of the things that we do, we don't have a space for the kids to come. We have prayer gatherings where, where many families can't come because there's no place for their kids to go. We, we have things like Discover where the kids are hanging out in a hallway and wondering, when am I gonna get to go home? But what if every event that we did, we had the space and the environment to go to plant the truth of the gospel in these kids' lives so that they could go and have fun and enjoy their friends and enjoy the space, but also learn about God and everything that we do? What if we really became a church that is about the next gen? What if we were able to start hosting our own youth group here? 
What if we were able to start hosting our own youth events on a regular basis to meet uh, the needs of all of the, the teenagers that are around us in this area? What if we believe that we can make that a reality by moving forward with this opportunity? We believe that God has opened this door and we are able now to look at the community in the eye and say, hey, we, we've always been a real church. <laughs> I get that comment, just so you know. So when are you guys gonna become a real church and get a building? <laughs> we have always been a real church, but now you can look at us and know our flag is planted. We're not going anywhere. We are here to stay. So what I want to do is I want to do this. Our worship team's coming out. And if we believe that this is a good thing that a great God has done for us, I believe that he deserves some glory and honor and praise because of it. And so I don't know about you, but I'm going to worship with this, this song that we're going to do in light of the fact that he has made a way, that he has opened a door, not to a facility, but to the kingdom of God, that he has opened the door for me to be an ambassador for him to the people around me. And I'm going to praise him for his faithfulness. And so we're going to spend some time worshiping, and I'm going to come back up, and we're going to have a little time of prayer. So let's just go ahead and let's, let's sing this together, church.